There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Let's Get Fiscal, a money podcast from 7 News. I'm Damien. We're talking super today. And Gemma Acton, Network Finance Editor, is here again. Hello, Gemma. Good morning, Damien. Now, superannuation. Yes, uh, a huge part of all Australians' lives. The system's been in place for decades now. Yeah, so. it feels like a while, but it also feels like one of those things that we're like, oh, super. Ugh, yeah. Do we want to talk about it? But it's really important to talk about. Uh, the point is, over decades and decades, it does compound. So if you're in the right super fund and you're, you're getting the right returns, then it makes a huge difference to the kind of retirement you can have. We all know that, but again, <laughs> it is boring to tackle. What is not so boring is uh, looking at what's in the immediate future. We didn't have a great year for super funds over the, the financial year, the end of June 30. I think the median balance fund down by around 4%. We'll go into more detail on that later in the podcast to find out exactly how different super forms performed. But let's talk about what's ahead. We are joined today by uh, AMP Capital's Shane Oliver, who spends a lot of time looking at what's happening in various markets uh, around the world, uh, share markets, bond markets, property markets. And so we thought he'd be a great person to go to, to talk about what we can expect. Uh, Shane, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Gemma. We came off a, a pretty miserable June. It was a pretty uh, disappointing fizzer of an end to the financial year. Uh, didn't leave super funds in a great position. Uh, July, how has that started off? Well, it, it, things have improved a little bit since the low points in June, but not much. And it's still very shaky. Markets are still very volatile. The same issues worries about inflation, worries about interest rate hikes and worries about recession are impacting markets. So it's still too early to say that we're out of the woods. Um, and if you look at the the weakness in share markets that, that it's unfolded over the last six months, it comes in it comes in waves. You go down a bit, you have a bit of a bounce, you come down again, another bit of a bounce and so on. And at this stage, it's too early to say that we've hit the bottom. When, when you say we probably haven't hit the bottom yet, what do you think will um, signify the bottom? Is it when we get to the end of central banks around the world raising interest rates, we might, might top out there? I think, uh, well, markets often move ahead on this. Uh, so, you know, it's just like back in uh, the pandemic in 2020, share markets fell well before economies and bottomed well before economies started to reopen. Uh, share markets peaked in February of 2020 and bottomed in late March 2020 and then started to recover, ultimately anticipating the economic recovery as a result of the pandemic, uh, sort of losing its grip to some degree. But um, that, that occurred well ahead of the end of lockdowns, which came a month or so later. And it's, it's going to be the same this time around as well. The market will get to a point where it's fully factored in uh, Fed hikes and the risk of recession, and that will that will ultimately see the market bottom. In the short term, I think it's too early to say that the market's fully factored in the worst just yet. Uh, we get to see 
clear evidence that inflationary pressures globally have peaked, that we're starting to see tentative signs of that, which is good news. But uh, I think we need to see several more months worth before we can get confident on that front. And likewise, we've, we've yet to see clear evidence that markets are factored in the worst in terms of interest rate hikes um, and likewise the risk of recession. So it'll probably take a little while before we get to that point. Trying to time this, and this is critical for superannuation members, trying to time all this is incredibly difficult. We could could see one leg down, market suddenly makes a bottom and then starts to zoom back up again as investors get more relaxed about the outlook and it will occur very quickly. So trying to time it is very hard, but my best guess is that we've still got a bit more downside ahead of us. Um, But I, I suspect that sometime around September or October, we will have seen the worst in markets. With medium balanced funds here in Australia, um, a lot is allocated to local Australian shares, but also a lot is allocated to global shares. Are Australian share markets moving pretty much in sync with global markets at the moment? Yes, they are. But always, uh, when you look back on it, there's a slight difference. Uh, Global shares have tended to come down more top to bottom. They've had somewhat bigger falls. Typical falls have been 23, 24% in US and Europe, a bit less in Japan. Uh, Chinese share market from its high last year to its recent low had fallen 35%. So whereas the Aussie share market top to bottom has had a fall of about 16%. Uh, so it hasn't come down as much. Um, and we're also helped a little bit because uh, the Australian shares pay relatively high dividends. So in that sense, uh, it's helped us. But you know, month to month or day to day, you often see the Aussie share market move in tandem with what's going on globally. And just as global shares have come down, we have come down as well, but just not as much. Uh, what did happen through June, though, is that we started to play catch up. And I think that was because... Uh, the Reserve Bank got a lot more aggressive, a lot more concerned about inflation. And so we came down with a bit of a thud through the month of June. And another factor is these lockdowns in China, these periodic COVID lockdowns associated with their zero COVID policy uh, have started to weigh on commodity prices, which in turn is also uh, weighed on our share market. So we've come down a little bit more sharply just in the last month or so than uh, than global shares have. but So we've, we've all been affected, but if you want to apply the bear market definition, you can apply it to the US and Europe, but you can't yet to Australia because we haven't gone beyond that 20% fall that normally marks the start of a bear market or, or normally marks a bear market. Shane, let's dig a little more into commodities since you brought them up. And that, by default, ends up being quite an important part of Australian superannuation portfolios, given that they are such a huge component of our local index. Talk about um, the outlook for commodities and and also their role in Australian super portfolios. The the commodities uh, tend to find their way into superannuation portfolios, not so much directly. There was a time, I guess, in the mining boom of the 2000s where super funds experimented with having commodities as a discrete part of their portfolios. And some of them may have it in there, but it's a relatively small proportion, like 1% or 2%. Whereas the biggest impact comes actually via the Australian share exposure within a portfolio. Uh, Typically, a super fund might have 25%, depending on the fund, 25% in in Australian shares, maybe 28%. um, And obviously, a big chunk of that exposure to the Australian share market comes via uh, resources stocks, the BHPs and Rios and so on. And so, therefore, swings in commodity prices can have a big impact on the Australian share market and therefore impact superannuation funds. Uh, we did see you know, one of the things that was holding our share market up 
until earlier this year was the relative strength of commodity prices, uh, particularly things like coal and gas. Uh, and in fact, uh, coal, believe it or not, is now our biggest export earner because of this huge surge in coal prices. And that, of course, has come at a time when iron ore prices are still relatively high, although they've come down a bit. Um, so so th- th- when the war started, I guess the general feeling was that commodity prices would be, be supported, which they were, uh, as a result of the fact that key sources of supply of commodities, namely uh, Russia and to a lesser degree Ukraine, would be taken out of the global market. Uh, that certainly helped. Now what's happened recently, though, is that the worries about global recession have started to weigh on commodity prices. And we have seen prices for metals such as copper, um, iron ore um, start to fall. And likewise, we've seen uh, grain prices come off. And of course, that that has some flow on to the Australian share market. Flip side, though, is that coal and gas prices remain very high, and that's providing us an ongoing source of support because, as I mentioned, coal is now our biggest export earner, and gas is, uh, I think it's either number two or number three after iron ore, perhaps, in there. Um, so that's, that's providing a degree of support for our market um, even though some of the commodity prices like metals and grains have started to come off. And looking in the coming months ahead, whether there is a global recession will have a big impact on how those other commodities do perform and therefore impact our, our super portfolios. That's that's right, Gemma. And I think the recession issue is the biggest one uh, to, to, to impact uh, the likely return outlook at present. Uh, you'd have to say the risk of recession has gone up globally. Uh, we are seeing economic indicators slow down, not just in Australia, but globally, and that's in response to uh, supply shortages made worse by the war with Ukraine, but particularly the rise in interest rates. As you raise interest rates, people have less spending power, and that, of course, cuts into economic growth. And uh, there are some economic indicators, and we don't want to get too technical here, but one of them is called the yield curve, which is gap between long-term uh, bond yields and short-term bond yields, and it's it's inverted such that short-term rates are a little bit above the long-term rates, and that's a potential warning sign of recession in the US. Now, we're not there yet in Australia, but those worries about recession obviously can continue to weigh on markets, I think, in the short term and also weigh on commodities. That's partly why I think we, we could still have more downside in share markets and therefore superannuation fund returns in the very short term. But if you take a 12-month view, if commodity, if uh, rather um, inflationary pressures start to top out, and there are some signs of that, that supply bottlenecks are starting to improve globally. We're seeing a decline in freight costs, you know, whether it's via ships or via planes. Uh, we're seeing a rebalancing in demand away from goods back towards services, which takes some pressure off goods price inflation. Uh, and we've also seen, as I mentioned a little bit a moment ago, uh, declines in prices for metals, uh, declines in prices for grains, you know, wheat and corn in particular. And uh, believe it or not, the oil prices also come off its high. Flip side, of course, is that coal and gas prices are still high and that's causing uh, ongoing pressures in terms of electricity prices in Australia. Um, but if some of those other factors continue to come off, that will mean inflation will start to subside, particularly in the US, taking pressure off the US central bank um, and providing a bit of confidence that a recession will be avoided, or if there is a recession, it will be a relatively mild one. Uh, and 
putting all that together, it suggests to me that if you're taking a 12-month view, it's more likely that share markets will be up and that commodity prices will probably also be on the way back up again. So that's why I'm optimistic on a 12-month view for superannuation returns, even though I'm a bit uncertain about the next three or four months where we could still see some more downside. Well, let's definitely take a 12-month view then. It sounds uh, much rosier. Um, Shane, let's talk about a couple of the other components of super portfolios. Um, bonds. A lot of people, particularly uh, people who are at a late, later stage in their life and careers, uh, tend to have a lot of bonds in their portfolios. They certainly do. And I guess it's the nature of the superannuation system that you know we've got uh, growth funds or balance funds. And you mentioned a number of minus 4%. That's the estimated return or the likely return that super funds on average received over the last financial year, minus 4%. Bear in mind, of course, that followed about plus 18% in the previous financial year. So there are swings and roundabouts here. And if you look at a five or 10-year horizon, superannuation funds have done very well relative to to very low inflation, relatively low, very low interest rates. So I guess you've got to put it in perspective. But one of the confusing aspects of the last 12 months is that Within the superannuation system, particularly if you're close to retirement, you you may have been switched into a more conservative fund, labelled more conservative in the sense that it's got a lesser exposure to growth assets like shares and a higher exposure to things like cash. Cash is fine in an environment like this. It doesn't return a lot, but at least it doesn't go down in value. And government bonds. And of course, over the last... uh, 12 months, bond yields have increased. And this is where it gets a little bit confusing, but bond yields have gone up. Ultimately, that will help boost the return from bonds. But as bond yields rise, it causes a capital loss on bond investments or fixed income investments. As the yield goes up, their price goes down. And so the investor gets a capital loss. So if you look at Australian government bonds over the last 12 months, they incurred a loss I think it was around 9% or so, or could, could have been a little bit more, uh, 10.5% in fact over the last 12 months. Um, that's their worst loss since the early 1970s and possibly since the 1930s. It's worse than the bond crash we had in 1994. So you've got balanced growth funds which have been hit mostly by the deterioration in share markets and then you've got conservative funds which in some cases have been hit by the weakness in bonds, in government bonds, as bond yields have gone up and bond funds have suffered a capital loss. Now, that doesn't happen often, but it did happen in 1994 and it has happened more recently. Um, I I tend to think that if you look forward, if inflation does start to abate, particularly in the US, then some of that upwards pressure on bond yields will start to slow and therefore we probably won't see a repeat of this situation where conservative funds have had as rough a ride as as growth funds. So hopefully that's just a one-off. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, indeed, a, a perfect storm by the sounds of things. Um, Shane, let's just touch on one more asset class, which a lot of people have in their funds before we let you go. Uh, property. What's the outlook for that over the next year? 
Well, I guess when we refer to property, uh, we can refer to several different things. Uh, obviously, there's residential property and then there's commercial property and commercial property, that's office, retail, industrial, can be held uh, either via share markets, via real estate investment trusts or property trusts, uh, or it can be held directly. Now, super funds tend to have a relatively low exposure to residential property, but they do have exposure to commercial property via listed property trusts or real estate investment trusts. And in many cases, they hold property directly, commercial property directly. I think if you run through those three, uh, residential property, I think is going to have more downside over the next 12 months. And there may be some uh, listeners who have got residential property uh, as an investment via their self-managed super fund. I think there's going to be a bit more downside there as interest rates go up. That's going to reduce the amount of money that people can borrow to buy to pay for a house. So their capacity to pay will go down. Uh, and it may also lead to an increase in delinquencies or defaults and some poor selling as people say, well, I can't make the mortgage payments. I'm going to sell my property. I don't think that will be the major factor. But high interest rates will reduce the demand for property. We're already seeing property prices fall. They've fallen for the last two months in a row around Australia. Sydney's fallen for about five months in a row, and Sydney prices are almost uh, well, down over 3% from their highs. It looks to me like uh, property, residential property in Australia is going to fall 15 to 20% or so from its high earlier this year. So I think more downside in terms of uh, residential or housing property. In terms of real estate investment trusts, this is commercial property held via the share market, um, and this is in superannuation funds. I think it has a similar outlook to the share market. Risk of more downside in the short term, but on a 12-month horizon, probably does okay. Commercial property, believe it or not, actually did pretty well if you held it on an unlisted basis. This is where a superannuation fund directly owns uh, unlisted property sometimes via a shared fund or sometimes directly uh, and commercial property had pretty good returns over the last 12 months of around or in excess of 10 percent um, and I suspect that will probably slow down a bit over the next 12 months um, but probably still be in positive territory um, going forward so there's a bit of a mixed bag there residential property I think has more downside uh, listed property trusts or property listed on the share market. I think getting close to the bottom could still go down a bit more, but probably does okay in a 12-month horizon. And unlisted commercial property or property held directly by superannuation funds probably does okay, but you expect slower returns than you've got over the last 12 months. Well, it's nice to hear that there was some good news over the last 12 months. Shane, it sounds to me in summary as though it's helmets on for the next couple of months, could be prepared for uh, more bumps. Uh, but after that, if we look, take a long-term view, if we fast forward about a year from where we are now, hopefully things would have been uh, able to pick up a little bit again. That, I, I think, is the bottom line in all of this. And I, and I guess the key for all investors, superannuation investors, if you've if you're young and even if you're middle-aged, you've got a long time before you go, get to retirement, you can actually see these sorts of dips in markets. I know they're painful and horrible, but uh, they're actually a bit, of a bit of a benefit to your superannuation fund because one of the best things that happened to me was the 1987 share market crash. At the time, I thought it was horrible. You know, shares fell 50% on over two months, down 25, down I think about 30% on one day. And you're thinking, well, this is terrible. How can this happen? Well, believe it or not, it was good for me because my company was putting the same dollar amount into the share market. I was picking up shares in my superannuation fund at a fraction of what I was paying for them just a few months earlier. And so that helped my long-term returns. So for, for those 
members who've got a way to go before retirement, uh, this volatility is part and parcel of investing in shares and superannuation. But it does help, uh, you know, it helps you pick up shares at a lower price and therefore higher prospective returns for the longer term. Obviously, for those close to retirement, then it's a question of making sure you've got the right strategy and the right exposure to risk within your port, within your superannuation portfolio. And the best thing to do is to get advice. But bottom line is, yes, I think we could go through some more volatility, but I think the key for all investors is to try and focus on the longer term and on a 12-month horizon. I think things will probably be okay. Well, let's leave it on that positive note. Shane Oliver from AMP Capital, thank you so much for your, for your deep analysis and uh, what's ahead for our super funds. It's been my pleasure, Gemma. Thanks for having me. We're joined now by Camille Schmidt from Super Ratings. Camille, thanks so much for joining us. Great timing to have you today. You guys have just released uh, your annual look at how super funds have performed and it's a uh, quite sobering figures. Not, not normal to see negative returns, particularly across the board. Uh, how often do we see that? Yes, it is uh, actually uh, interesting to see that. Usually we see those more conservative option types providing more protection, but we are in an interesting time where we're seeing both equity uh, and bond markets taking a hit. So, uh, yeah, unique times at the moment, that's for sure. Let's take a step back and talk about the returns for the last financial year. So the year from 1st of July 2021 to 30th of June 2022. Uh, Talk us through the three ones that you look at. That is the growth option, which is the more aggressive one for people who want a bit more risk. Uh, The balanced option, which is sort of like your average. And then the, as you mentioned, the more conservative one, the capital stable, probably for people who are at a later stage in life. Yes, that's correct. So, look, it has certainly been uh, an eventful year for Australia's superannuation members. There has been a lot more ups and downs across investment markets. This is, of course, you know, off the challenging uh, inflation environment we're in and the interest rate hikes that we are seeing. So we do tend to focus on the balanced options. That is where most Australians have their super. So about 70% of assets sits in a balanced option. Uh, when we're looking at that, what we mean by that is it's an option with about 60 to 76% of its portfolio invested in growth assets. So things like Australian and international shares and listed property. So the median or middle uh, balanced option across the market was down by 3.3% over the one year period to 30 June 2022. So that's about $3,500 uh, on a $100,000 balance at the start of the year. Growth options uh, did have a higher exposure to those riskier assets, so the impact was a bit greater there. So we saw them uh, reducing by about 4.3%. And then those uh, capital stable options, uh, which tend to have more traditionally defensive assets like cash uh, and bonds, they declined by about 2.7% for the financial year to 2022. Now, Camille, you mentioned we've been hit from all sides with both shares and bonds down. Where did the most pain come from? Most of the pain did actually end up coming from the equity market side. So we did see Australian uh, and international share markets down around 10 to 12% for the year. Uh, Bond markets uh, were slightly sub 10%. Uh, But I think one of the things to call out, though, is that while we did see these reductions across those individual asset class areas, super funds did do really well to prevent some of those steep falls from being passed through to members' accounts. So if you consider that we're up in the digit uh, reductions for some of those markets while funds are only down around 3 to 4%, there has been um, a bit of protection there for members through diversification. 
And put this in context for us, like over a longer time frame, let's say go back a decade, obviously superannuation is a, is a lifelong investment for people. What kind of returns is it more normal to see? Exactly. And really important thing to consider is that this is looking at a one-year uh, figure. Uh, it is actually the fifth negative return that we've seen for balanced options since super um, was introduced around 30 years ago. Uh, and it did actually follow the second highest annual return of 17.8% last year. So over the last two years, balanced funds are actually in a better position. And when we look at those long-term periods, so we tend to focus on five, seven uh, and 10 years. Over the 10-year period to 30 June 2022, typical balanced option has delivered uh, an average return of 8% per annum. Growth was a bit higher at 9% uh, and capital stable options were sitting at around 5%. So positive outcomes when you take that long-term view. It really is about waiting the long game, isn't it? So, so in other words, if you if you don't need to whip out your money in the in the very near term, um, something we should be able to, to weather. Exactly, and I think you know one of the things to really emphasise is that if you are under the age of fifty, keeping in mind that the market movements in the short term aren't the real story, as you can't actually access your money now anyway. You won't realise that loss uh, if you switch or if you take your money out, as then you are missing out on any potential future recovery. And I guess there's also this year as well, we're going to see that lift in superannuation. I think it was half percent, isn't it? So you're going to get a little bit more yeah. super in the coming financial year, which may offset that a little as well. Exactly. So that rise in the super guarantee that will provide a bit of a boost to people's balances, which is pleasing. I'm looking at a great chart you've sent through to me, Camille, and it looks at over the last 15 years, which investments have done the best and international shares seems to have have done the best. So if you had $100,000 in June 2007, that would have now grown to $209,000. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, despite all of the chaos that we've seen over the last few years, over that long-term period, uh, global equities have actually been a pretty good place to be for super fund members. Brace us. What's ahead? It doesn't look like the bumpiness is over. I've been looking at the share market every night and uh, up, down, up, down, and uh, on, on the margin seems to be still pushing a little bit lower. Yeah, look, I mean, in terms of the outlook, um, trying to anticipate uh, what's likely to happen is really challenging, if not impossible at the moment. Events like COVID uh, and the war in Ukraine uh, are not ones that could have been foreseen. Uh, I think it really depends how quickly inflation rises uh, and also the interest rate path that central banks opt for. If super funds achieve a return uh, of around CPI plus 3% for balanced options, I think that would be a good outcome. Uh, in terms of volatility, uh, look, I don't think that will stop anytime soon. Uh, I think we're going to see more ups and downs. So the main thing people can do is really um, just control how exposed they are to movements. So in other words, speak to a financial advisor and consider how much risk they have and if there's a way they, if they're nervous and if they probably do need to withdraw money in the nearer term, might want to look at switching into safer assets. Definitely. I think, you know, it's important to, you know, check the type of investment option you're in and whether it suits the level of ups and downs that you're comfortable with. Most funds have risk profiling tools on their website uh, that can help with that. And also, if you are considering making any changes, then speak to your fund first uh, or an advisor that you trust. I was going to say, um, I've only recently got into 
looking at where my money goes and creating like a mix inside my super fund. You're spending too much time with me, Damien. <laughs> Gemma's rubbing off. but um, So I've got like a, a mix of like the balanced and uh, – but I've also got some cash in there still sitting there as well. Does that mean the cash has performed better than the stocks that are in my super mix? Well, cash rates, yeah, actually they have been uh, pretty flat for a while but not negative. And with rates rising, uh, it's actually going to provide a bit of a boost for people who are trying to derive an income from these assets. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting times that we have seen that in the more recent period. Well, we hope when we catch up with you next year, Camille, that you'll have better news for us all. But uh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for breaking it down for us today. Thanks so much for having me. Bye.